With age comes wisdom. So what advice would you give your younger self? It is Seven Figures. I am Sandy Waters. Each week we tap into financially savvy people and we learn from them. What do they know that we should know? What mistakes did they make that we can learn from? The goal is to walk away with nuggets of financial knowledge that will make you feel better about your financial future and will make you a better financial role model for your kids. So today we're going to focus on helping you stand out in the corporate world or what guidance can you give your kids to help them be successful. Before we cash in with our experts, I want to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Family First Credit Union, a helpful, educated team in our community that enjoys helping you live a financially healthy life. All right, let's cash in with our experts, two very influential, successful women in Rochester, Erica Cummings, certified financial planner, VP at Morgan Stanley, and the creator of the Women Wealth and Empowerment Series, and Jackie Close, partner at Ernst & Young. Thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Jackie, first time on the podcast. I feel like Erica, we're going to pull her in again, aren't we? We are. Yes, I think I think there's a lot more to discuss. There I'm is ready. a lot we need to learn from you. But today the focus is what I would tell my younger self. I think everybody with age, you always look back and think, oh, God, why did I do it that way? I should have done this. Or why did I stress about that stupid little thing when really the big picture is this? So with that being the focus, what is a piece of advice we can start with? Yeah, I think um, for me, it's really taking those risks early and not being scared to fail, really. I think that's a a really good first piece of advice to give because, and I'm sure a, a lot of people would agree that they grew up in a household where there was a lot of structure and my parents were fantastic. They always pushed me to succeed, but I feel like they pushed me to succeed and strive for perfection so much that I was scared to fail. Like I never took risks because I was so scared to fail. It's actually, if you ask any successful person, billionaires will tell you that the greatest way to succeed is actually through failure because you never know the limits to what you're capable of doing until you reach a point where you're actually fatigued. So if you think about, I was telling Jackie the other night, working out and you're lifting weights. If you're lifting weights alone, you're always going to be afraid to lift the heaviest possible because it could fall on your head. But if you have a spotter or somebody there that will allow you to push as hard as possible, you then figure out, okay, that's my limit now, or that's where my muscles are failing. And then you have a new place to, to look to achieve to. And failure is actually the best thing that you can possibly do. And that's what we discussed was it's much easier telling a younger woman to fail early yeah, because the responsibilities of life are so much um, less overwhelming than they are when you get older. Well, it does alleviate some stress knowing that it's okay to fail and you're not being judged on the failure, but yet how you pick yourself up Yes, and try again. And success is around the corner if you keep trying. Yes. But it's that fear of, oh, gosh, who's going to judge me and mm-hmm. how horrible am I going to look if I screw this new project up at work? Yeah. It's okay. The, the biggest, most influential people fail all the time yes. and they're not perfect. Yes. They want, most CEOs want you to fail because they know that you're trying really out of the box 
ideas, especially when you look at the technology industry, mm-hmm. Google, Facebook. Oh, yeah. They will tell you that they expect and want their employees to fail because that means that they're trying things that no one else have tried. And granted, there is failure that borders on illegal. And obviously, you don't want to do those things. But <laughs> but if what you're trying to do is um, is succeed and to move forward, you have, I mean, I don't think the Wright brothers were able to fly the plane the first time out. And if they <laughs> failed the first time and walked away, yeah. then we would not be flying or we would have had to wait a lot longer. And I think that women, and this has been my experience, women want to make sure that everything is perfect and in line and everything's been prepared for and they've thought of every possible conceivable outcome. And mm-hmm. and so we tend to not take those risks. And so what we said is if you're going to, and you should do it when you're young, establish a path for yourself that, that embraces failure, that embraces taking those risks. And that's both professionally and personally. Take the trips early when you can. Do the exploration in life when you have the time. Yeah, because once those kids come around, yes. that's it. Yes. No more flying for you unless it's a business trip. And exactly. you will have mommy guilt when you're on that plane. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. But also failure, I think, um, takes practice, too. Mm-hmm. So if you do start when you're young, people expect you to fail yeah. when you're new at at the job or when you are young, right? We yeah. all, oh, you're just young. Don't worry. Yes. And then you get that practice and it feels okay. Yeah. To fail. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, I, I don't fear a failure and I don't, I don't fear looking forward, but I don't plan in advance as well. And I jump into things and I dive into things. And then for me, when it doesn't go perfectly or I didn't think Wait, about something. you're not something, a planner? <laughs> <laughs> what happened to your genetics? <laughs> okay. But I right. have on, on the opposite side, when I do have a missed opportunity because I didn't properly plan in advance, that's when I get inside of my head and I yeah. say, well, if I had planned, uh, I yeah. would have done a better job. I missed this opportunity. And something I've learned as I've grown and I've gotten older was to say, okay, what did I learn from that quickly and move on because there will be another yeah. one of those opportunities or, or how do I take advantage of this opportunity and turn it around very quickly as opposed to thinking and punishing myself or, you know, blaming myself for a small missed opportunity, a small failure, but really taking that opportunity and moving forward. Do men get in their heads as much as we do? Not even close. No. And it's, and it's kudos it to them because yeah. we, we overanalyze, we... Um, feel that guilt for a long time. We carry this weight of how we could have done it differently, and, and we say to, we let everybody down. Yeah. Right? When yep. we screw up at work, yes. oh God, we let the team down. Yes. And to Jackie's point, she learned early on that you have to just move. You have to move with it. You have to roll with it, and that's how you're going to be able to not get stuck. Yeah. And and it happens a lot. It happens a lot for women. We were talking the other night that it is very common for men to feel very comfortable applying for or interviewing for a job that they may not have every single skill that's listed in the description, Mm. but they will go and they will interview well and they will figure it out. We could do the same thing. We could figure it out. But we are such planners and we worry so much about everything that we want to know that we are completely qualified for each and every aspect of the job before we go in. 
And so right from the get-go, we're second-guessing everything. And so really the advice is go for it. And it's decisiveness too. Yes. I think men tend to be more decisive. I struggle with that every day. I just got to make decisions. Who cares? I'll figure it out if I made the wrong one. There is no real wrong one, is there? No. Ever? No. No. Just course correct and adjust and move forward. Yes. And and the best thing to do is to figure that out when you're young because you almost morph yourself into that becoming a part of your personality. And so as you move forward and the even – larger challenges come and the opportunities for even bigger advancement, you'll almost have shifted your DNA to be okay yeah. with the failures and moving forward and adjusting quickly. And I feel like I'm excited for the new generation because mm-hmm. I feel like we're talking about this kind of stuff more than when we were growing up. Yeah. You know, like I I think my parents were like a lot of parents where they just push you to succeed, push you for greatness. Your goal is perfect. Not necessarily did they mean you can't fail, but that's the way we took it because yeah. no one really talked about those failures as yeah. much as we are now. Right. And their parents didn't talk to them. Right. It was very much a hands off and you you navigated your life. Of course, they yeah. were there for advice, but we were taught, put your head down, work hard and and. If you work hard, you'll succeed. But they didn't show us their vulnerable side no. as much as we are showing our vulnerable side to everybody. Yes. We are raising our kids very differently. Yeah. Yeah. Which Just, I think is good. Even in the workplace, right? Even your boss sometimes shows their vulnerable side, which you would never see that before, yeah. right? No. no, no. You no. couldn't even approach the boss before. No. Now we're like sending them a tweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the big head, head, head guy. We yeah. send him a tweet. Yeah. Um. Okay. I think there's multiple sides of that, though, and I think some things we need to be careful careful with is the social media and some of the, right, if you are on social media or if you fail or the texting around with, you know, our children in high schools and if they make a mistake or if they do something, you know, it's it's posted on social media and shared. So I think we need to make sure we're still kind of helping our children through that as well. Yeah. Can we talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. Because I feel like girls, women are more active with the pictures yes. side of social media, mm-hmm. the Instagram, the Snapchat, all of that. And the pictures don't always portray the image you want portrayed. If I know you personally, I know you're a good person, a sweet person. But then when if I were to just comb through your newsfeed, I'd be like, what the heck? Yes. Yeah. And there's two sides to that. So there's uh, what I would consider, because I have a daughter, Jackie has three daughters. There is what we would consider to be inappropriate photos that are put out there. The girls may not even know that they're inappropriate. Right. I don't think they yeah. do it intentionally. No. And we no. know they're good kids, but. No, but as a 43-year-old professional going on 20 years of working, those pictures will stay with you for life. They could get pulled up later, mm-hmm. and they would be considered inappropriate, no matter how far we've come in accepting um, openness, so to speak. But on the flip side, I also think it's really important, and I'm not as fluent with Instagram and Snapchat. We're more the Facebook generation, but it's important to instill, especially in the girls, that what you see on social media is not reality. And so we see perfect families and the perfect picture. Oh, yes. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. you don't realize that the entire party, the kids were disasters and <laughs> screaming. the parents weren't even speaking to each other. But, but they got their perfect, perfect picture. 
And so that's what they share. Yes. Right yes. here we are, the perfect family. Yes. And then you compare yourself yeah. to. And and so there's this constant viewing of perfection and only the accomplishments are obviously yeah. posted. Nobody wants to put out there that they were fired. That never gets put on there that I was fired from my job. You just see that there's been a job change mm-hmm. or you see that, you know, they are moving forward to something else. And not that you should have to put that on there, but it's just important to understand that this is very, very filtered. Yeah. And that you should not ever look at someone else's successes or someone else's life as a gauge for your own. There's something about us. I don't know if it's just human nature, but we envy other people's success. Mm-hmm. Why can't we just be excited for other people's success? If you get a promotion, Jackie, we should all be elated. Everybody yeah. in your company should be so excited and applauding you or anybody, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think that human element is there, right? Yeah. And so when I've received fantastic, you know, feedback from people, Eric, you know, was so excited. My friends, my colleagues were so excited that I got promoted. But I think when you bring that social media into it, and it's not that human element of you heard from me face to face or uh, we have a relationship, but... Yeah. Those things where you put the picture on Facebook, but you haven't spoken to the person in 20 years because they're your friend or from high school. When you look at those perfect pictures of this perfect family and this perfect promotion and all these perfect things, you presume that they have this perfect life. And then we all have failures inside and we all compare ourselves to those things. And when there's not that human element, Mm -hmm. I've done it many times where I look at other people and I see some of their successes and I'm like, wow, they're really good at this that I am not good at. They're really good at these things that I'm failing at. And I internalize. And that's where the envy comes in too, instead of applauding them for their successes. Yeah. But then when I I reach out or, 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 you know, I see them and I connect with them and Mm -hmm. I have a conversation with them. They start complaining about the same yeah. things or they yeah. talk yeah. about some of their failures. And I'm like, wow, I put you on this pedestal of <laughs> yeah. perfection. And, and then there. I have this, you know, real t- real yeah. life interaction with you. Yep. And OK, I'm you we're feel, the same. Yeah. We're the same person here. And when you have that human element there where you're really connecting and interacting, you see that we're all in this together. And I feel like we need to support each other and say it. It's okay that you failed, and and here's how I can help here, and here's how you can help me. And that's a really good transition to the next great piece of advice that we would give our younger self is the support system. Yes. The genuine, real friends that you have. Not somebody who's going to make... Make it seem like if you're angry about work, yes, you should be. I mean, just real, honest Mm -hmm. friends. And and those that are willing to challenge you when you should be challenged. And sometimes it's hard. And this is something that I really think is important for younger women to embrace because it takes a while to gain the maturity to be not only okay with, but completely accept criticism. Mm -hmm. Because as a young person, male or female, but particularly women, because we do internalize everything, when someone criticizes us, it's like a bullet in the heart. And so my advice is when you are young, surround yourself with women that want to lift you up, but want to lift you up with honesty and positivity, not bringing toxic environments into your life where you're all feeding on the same negativity. 
And it feels good because if someone else is negative, then you're all in this kind of Mm -hmm. sinking ship together at the time. And at that very moment, it feels very good. But that's not going to be good for you in the long run. You want someone that's going to say, oh, you're fighting with your husband. Well, I want to hear your husband's perspective, too. So tell me the whole story. And you have to be okay with the fact that she may not or he may not, depending on who it is, 100% agree with your side. And it's that challenge, that positive lifting up that I think is what helps you to move forward because we cannot do that for ourselves. You're not self-aware of that. We we can't. But I think that goes back to the failure. Why do you get upset when someone criticizes you? You feel like you failed at yes. whatever it is. Yes. Once you get over that hump, yeah. then criticism you should welcome. Yes. Right. You want to be the best person you can if it is genuine, right. constructive criticism, right. of course. Yeah. I feel like right when we're, when I was younger, I wanted my friends to validate. My husband didn't uh, do yeah. this. He didn't do that. Yes. Or my boss is you know, promoting the men or you yeah. know, taking the men on these different opportunities. And I wanted someone to validate me. Yeah. And I think it... I think also it's really the words we choose on the other side of being that friend and having that confidence to speak up and say something that is supportive and not catty or finger pointing. Mm-hmm. Well, your husband's behaving like this because you is not very supportive, right? right. Yeah. But, you know, using your words such that you're there to support and say, well, how is he feeling? Is yeah. this, is he struggling with, you know, being a parent? He doesn't really understand, you know, all of, the roles and responsibilities as you might have have in your brain. And so what, how is he coming to this perspective or at work? How try this different avenue Yeah, yeah. and really using those words to make sure they're supportive versus finger pointing. And well, yeah. the validation, too, mm-hmm. is I mean, that's what everybody talks about is the biggest problem with the generation and the social media. You do seek that validation. Yeah. You yes. post that cute picture of the party because you want everybody to like it. You know, yeah. 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 I, I had this great quote. I put it on Facebook. It said, be the woman who fixes another woman's crown without letting the world know that it was crooked. Just help each other out. Yeah. So if I said to Jackie, here's my advice on your marriage, I'm not going to turn around to Sandy and then say, oh, Jackie's having a really hard time mm. with her marriage. We do that. Women are gossipers and Mm -hmm. we have to, because of that whole idea of comparing ourselves to each other and we get stuck in this cycle, we have to just lift each other up. And I read another great quote that said, husbands and wives or or partners in general, as, as two married people, you should not view your fights as you against each other. It is you both against the problem. And yes. I thought, separate the, the problem out. Yeah. We're on the same team. We need to figure out together, taking into account both points of view, how do we address the problem? Yeah. Not you have a problem or you have a problem. And so those are the other things you learn as you get older, that the whole pick your battles. It's oh. you, you can't constantly be right all the time. Yeah, being right is sometimes your worst enemy because yeah. that validates you. Yes, and I think at, in, in this stage, I think we have a lot to overcome with, you know, women's issues. And I think a lot of us grow up thinking women's issues was my mother's generation. And that was an issue for them. But they paved that path. And we're all good now. And so there's no difference between women and men. 
And then you get to that phase in your life or your phase in your career, your phase in your marriage where you're like, whoa, okay, (laughs) we have so far to come. And so you have these expectations that my husband and I are going to split things 50-50 and he's going to take just as much responsibility as I am. And when I ask him to do something, he's, of course, going to do it because we're in this together. Mm -hmm. And then you start realizing, well, that's not the perspective that he has or what he saw or what his role models were. Mm -hmm. When you grew up, you saw the evolution and the changes. And when he grew up, he saw, okay, this is how life is. He wasn't pushing. He wasn't pressing for progress with equality. And so you have a different perspective and opinion. And I think when, especially, you know, when new things come in into a man's world, a new child, whatever it may be that's, you know, a typical female role, they're insecure and sensitive because, you know, maybe they want to be the best dad. They want to be great, but they really just don't know how. And you, it becomes natural. Maybe you didn't know how before you had a baby, but that baby comes out and you figure it out and and you get it done. Whereas they think the men are sort of looking for us to help educate them and train them and help them through it. And we have this expectation that they're just like us and they know how to figure it out and get through it. it. And they they don't have the confidence then. You hit the nail on the head when you say we have expectations for the other gender that are impossible to meet because we're white. We are wired differently. We can do that. We can get the same results, but to get there, completely different ways to get there. And we have to accept that because like you said, Erica, we're on the same team. Right, right. You know, it's the problem that you're trying to face. So if the problem is how, or I shouldn't say problem, but if if the issue is how do we effectively parent together where neither one of us is feeling as if we're taking on too much or being taken advantage of, then we have to take into perspective also not only how we're wired, but how we grew up. It's nature versus nurture. So Jackie and I were talking the other night that, I grew up in a divorced household. She grew up in a divorced household. Our moms worked. Our moms did everything. And so when I came out into the world, whether it be personally or professionally, there was no such thing as a difference between a man or a woman. If you take a man who grew up in a household where mom stayed home and happily married, traditional type roles, you can't expect that that isn't going to have some effect on on their yep. their makeup and yeah. it's not their fault and so i think that's the other thing when when you're young is to have those conversations mm-hmm. when you're younger it's there's nothing wrong with you're not going to solve every problem before you get married but understanding each other's past and understanding where you've come from and how your belief system was created and it's the same thing at work that when you're in when you're in a, a workspace and we are dealing with how do we move the needle, there has to be a certain amount of empathy with the men because they, this is all they've known. And so we have to teach them that this is the path that we would like to go on. This is where things need to go. Jackie's company has done an enormous amount of work on statistics that show when women are actively involved in high leadership roles, how much more profitability comes to the company. We have to teach those things because we shouldn't just expect that they know this. They're, they're moving along with the norms as they always have been as well. And so as women, we need to bring the men in to be equal advocates. They're not the enemy. They are there 
for us to all work together, but they yeah. need to be educated. They're not going to know there's no what we've gone intent. through. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They don't know what it's like for us until we until we explain it to them in a in an educational way, not in a you have no idea what we go through because right. that immediately puts right. a barrier puts up. up a wall and makes them insecure and sensitive, which is the yeah. biggest struggle at work that the assertive woman will get that title yes. at work. Right. Yes. And then that's when you start to take a back seat. And just agree to whatever it is. Like even um, asking for a raise. You mm-hmm. feel like, oh gosh, am I going to be coined the bitch employee yeah. if I go in there and pound my fist on the table and say, I demand a raise? Yes. Do your, I, I say a great lesson is just be genuine to who you are. Yes. Because a lot of us, I feel like in our careers, I don't know if you guys would agree, but I almost was trying to turn myself into more assertive aggressive mm-hmm. that is totally not me and it wasn't until actually my husband's like would you just be you just yeah. be real speak from your heart mm-hmm. when you go in there don't don't demand a raise just genuinely say this is what I bring to the table and just be honest well that's one of the things that that I always say you don't have to act like a man we can still be a woman in order to be successful yeah it's really it's just the the way that we communicate sometimes is differently. But when you're asking for a raise, the raise should come from your strengths, your experiences, what your results have been, what you've been able to do for the company. Facts. Facts. That's what's exactly. hard for us women, though, is to take the emotion out. Yeah. But and still, just yeah. sit down and, and write out all of the keep track, mm-hmm. your entire career of the accomplishments that you have made, of the efforts that you have put in and all of the milestones along the way and any meeting you have, whether it be for a raise, a promotion, anything, you should have a set objective that you want achieved at the end of that meeting and have your facts lined up because we do tend to get emotional. And depending on who we're dealing with on the other side of the table, you can really get rattled. But if you have all of that prepared, whether on paper or in your head, then you can always revert back to facts don't lie. Yeah. Facts don't lie. So keep track of your successes. Make sure that you have a running catalog of what you've accomplished along the way. And this way, when it's time to have those critical conversations, you are prepared and emotions can kind of leave the room. And when you're walking in just being you, you're not trying to assume a different persona, then it'll come out easy. Exactly. Well, this has been great. We could probably talk forever. Like we could really make this podcast episode four hours and yeah. still <laughs> have more to say. Yeah. So if you don't mind, could we bring you back in? Because I want to dive deeper in the the statistics about the disparity between men and women and how you guys as both um, very successful individuals are also juggling work and being a mom. Absolutely. Absolutely. We love to. to it. They are so fantastic. Erica Cummings, certified financial planner and VP at Morgan Stanley, also the creator of the Women Wealth and Empowerment Series, and Jackie Close, partner at Ernst & Young. Well, thank you so much for being here and joining the podcast every week. We really appreciate it. Thank you for subscribing. And if you're on iTunes, if you don't mind scrolling down just a little bit and giving us a rating and a review, we appreciate you telling a friend about the Seven Figures podcast. And thank you to our friends at Family First Credit Union for sponsoring the podcast. 
If you need to reach out to me for whatever reason, Sandy at RochesterBuzz.com. Okay, I'll talk to you next week on the podcast, and I'll talk to you on Monday morning on Spazano and Sandy, 98.9 The Buzz. Have a great weekend.